0: Section sixty three of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr The World's Story Volume ten England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section sixty three How the Scots lived while James I was king fourteen twenty two to fourteen thirty seven by P. Hume Brown in James I's reign, there came a foreigner to Scotland who wrote about what he saw there. This visitor was an Italian, his name was Aeneas Sylvius, and he afterwards became Pope Pius the Second, so that he was a very important person on his voyage to Scotland. His ship was nearly wrecked and during the storm he vowed a vow that from wherever he landed he would walk barefoot to the nearest church to give thanks to god for having saved him from drowning when he landed he found that the nearest church was at wetkirk six miles from north berwick so as it was winter at the time he had to trudge these six miles with bare feet on the frozen ground and the result was that he caught such a cold that he had rheumatism for the rest of his life here are some of the things which he tells us he went to see king james whom he describes as a robust-looking man but very fat as for the palaces in which the king of scots lived he says that they were not so very well furnished as the houses of rich merchants in germany what he thought very strange was that the towns had no walls round them which all the towns on the continent had he also thought it odd that the houses in the towns were built of stone without lime the houses in the country, he says, were built of turf, and the poorer ones had the hide of an ox hung up instead of a door. The common people were very poor, but at the same time they ate more meat and fish than was good for them, though bread was so scarce that it was looked on as a dainty. One thing astonished him very much, and that was that the people burned stone instead of wood. Of course the stone was coal, which Neas seems never to have seen in other countries. At the church doors he noticed many beggars who went away with glad faces when these stones were put into their hands. These are some of the things that Neas tells us about Scotland, but we must remember that he came from Italy, which was a rich and beautiful country, so that he could not help thinking that Scotland was a poor place compared with it, as indeed it was but we know a good deal more about scotland in the reign of james i than ennius sylvius tells us and this we learn from the laws james passed for example we know that there must then have been a great many wolves in the country though ennius says there were none every baron in the kingdom was commanded to kill all the wolves whelps he could find and to give twopence to any one who brought a whelp's head to him Four times every year also the baron was to have a great wolf hunt, and all his farmers with their servants were to join him in the hunt. And if they did not, they had to give a sheep to the baron as a fine. This proves that there must have been many wolves in the land, or such a law would not have been passed. There must also have been great number of crows in Scotland in those days, as a very curious law shows us. Every landlord was commanded to kill the young crows every year, as, when they grew up, they did so much damage to the crops. If the landlord did not obey this law, then the tree in which the crows had built their nest was to be taken from him by the king. If the landlord liked, however, he could fell the tree and pay a fine of five shillings. Such a law as this could never be passed nowadays, but in those days it was thought to be quite right that such laws should be made. There were laws about buying and selling which seemed very strange to us. No one was allowed to send a horse to any foreign country unless it were more than three years old. No one could buy cloth or any other goods from an Englishman who came to Scotland, and no Englishman was allowed to sell anything in Scotland unless he got special permission. Another law declared that no one was to send any gold or silver out of the country, what was the meaning of those laws which seem so odd to us? It was that people then thought that the country would soon be ruined if the people bought things made in other countries, and that if money went out of the country, it would never come back again. For a long time afterwards, people in other countries besides Scotland believed this, and the result was that the trade could not grow, nor the people become rich." However, even in those days there must have been well-to-do people in Scotland, as another law shows us. By this law it was commanded that no one except a lord or a knight was to wear silk or furs, or to have pearls or any kind of trimming on his clothes. In the towns no persons except the magistrates and their wives were to wear furs. The farmers also were told that they were not to wear colour clothes but plain ones made at home. Now, when such laws are made, it means that many people must have had money to spare, and that they spent it on fine clothes, and dressed themselves above their station. For in those days it was thought right that all classes of the people should each have a dress of its own, so that it might be known at once whether a man was a lord, or a knight, or a magistrate, or a craftsman, or a farmer." there was one thing about which the kings and the parliament were very anxious and about which many laws were made and that was that every scotsman should be trained to fight so the law was that every man from the age of sixteen to sixty should possess weapons according to his rank to make sure that everyone had these weapons there were to be four meetings or wapinshaws each year to which all the men in town and country were to come and if they did not have the right weapons, they were to be fined. What should we think nowadays, if a boy or a man were fined fourpence every time he plays at football? Yet such a law was really passed by James and his parliament, and for the following reason. It was the English archers, as we know, that had gained so many victories over the Scots, and so it was very necessary that the Scots should try to become as good archers as the English laws were therefore passed which forbade playing at football as being of no use and which ordered that near every parish church there should be a target and a shooting ground on every holiday and there were about sixty holidays in the year every male person from twelve years old was to shoot at least three arrows at the mark and if he did not he was to give a sheep as a fine in spite of these laws however the scots never became good archers and they always preferred to fight with lances and axes there was a class of people who gave a great deal of trouble in scotland and in other countries at that time and indeed for a long while afterwards these were the beggars who in those days did not go about alone but in great bands so that they were a terror to everybody it was not safe to travel about the country by yourself for if you met one of these gangs they would take everything you had and perhaps ill-use you besides some of the beggars were quite well off and actually rode on horseback so that the old rhyme is really true hark hark the dogs do bark the beggars are coming to town some in rags and some on nags and one in a velvet gown a gang of these beggars would often come to the house of a clergyman or a farmer where they thought they would get plenty to eat, and compel the owner of the house to give them a night's lodging. There were great numbers of them in all the towns, and when the king and his courtiers travelled, they would often be surrounded by beggars crying for alms. In almost every reign laws were passed to put down these troublesome and dangerous beggars, but these laws never seemed to do any good every person between the ages of fourteen and seventy were forbidden to beg and if he were caught doing so his cheeks were to be burned with a red-hot iron and he was then to be banished from the country before any one was allowed to beg he had to get a license or to wear a badge on his clothes to show that he was a lawful beggar and even stricter laws than these were passed but they were never really carried out and so the number of beggars went on increasing rather than getting fewer another law passed in james's reign shows how different this country was then from what it is now every agricultural labourer if he was not rich enough to buy an ox to plough for in those days it was oxen that drew the plough and not horses had to dig up a piece of ground seven feet long and six feet broad on every working day and why was such a law made it was because a great deal of land which might have been used for growing crops was not cultivated but was left to itself and so was of no use to the people who lived on it so by such a law as this more ground came to be cultivated and more food was got for the people From all these laws we see how differently people then lived from the way in which we do now. But there is one thing that must not be forgotten about these laws. They were very seldom carried out. And it was the same in other countries besides Scotland, and the reason is that the persons who should have enforced them either had not the power to do so, or had other things to attend to. However, even when the laws were not obeyed, they at least showed what was the right thing to be done and no doubt many people did obey them end of section 63 this recording is in the public domain